Welcome into a special edition of the Rivals Podcast, the Signing Day Wrap. I'm Rob Cassidy, Florida analyst. I'm joined by national analyst Adam Gorney out in California. No room for people from flyover country on this podcast. We're coastal elites, huh, Gorney? Thank God. Yeah, we are coastal elites, both Northeast guys. So uh, this is going to be pretty high-end stuff coming through. Cosmopolitan, to say the least. (laughs) If you tune in to hear about the middle of the country, you've tuned into the wrong podcast. No, I'm kidding. We will touch on some of that. But I guess we should start with the winners, right? And that's here in the Southeast. Georgia and Alabama have the top two classes in the country. It's interesting to kind of watch them battle with each other now. They've really become recruiting rivals. And it seems like last signing day and this signing day, they're at each other's throats. What did you kind of take away from from their classes and what they got done today? Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, Georgia plays off Bama. Bama plays off Georgia a little bit. And obviously, Nick Saban is the king of doing this and he wins everything. But I do think that Kirby plays into that a little bit. You know, I think that there's a lot of uh, – talk about Alabama and how many kids they can get and coming to compete against them and playing for playing against them in the national championship last year, playing against them in the SEC championship this year, kind of blowing both games doesn't exactly help, but it does really make them that second best team in the country. And a lot of kids kind of, kind of go after that kind of stuff. They don't want to play at number one. They want to beat number one. And Georgia has done a phenomenal job um, this recruiting class, just like everyone going into Mississippi and getting the Kobe Dean, um, who could be sort of a, Ra- a Roquan Smith type player, flipping Dwan Mathis the way that they did. And I think we could talk about that a little bit and who's going to win there. You know, Justin Fields decommits or, you know, is going to transfer and uh, they can go up and get an Ohio State commit from Michigan. That's that's very telling. Getting Clay Webb is v- out of Alabama is very telling. So, a lot of credit to Georgia. You know, Nick Saban is still number one. They're, he's untouchable. He's like the Donald. Uh, but uh, Kirby but there's is right. losing more and more of these battles to them. I mean, they're not, obviously, they've got Trey Sanders today, which was the big one, even though it kind of seemed like Georgia might <laughs> might pull that off until the late afternoon yeah. right before the announcement. Do you think we're trending in a direction where Kirby might overtake Saban as the nation's best recruiter? And I'm not saying we're there yet, but it seems like every year – you know, there's one kid one year and then it's two. Maybe next year it's five. Are we trending in that direction? Is Saban just getting older and this is just the natural progression of things? Or has he still got a pretty firm hold on the, on the thing? I think he still has a pretty firm hold. He's got the number one class in the country. Uh, that That's pretty good. But Georgia, you know. <laughs> that is indeed pretty good. Literated them last year. I mean, they had, they had eight uh, five-star commitments last year. That's huge. Although Justin Fields was one of them and he'll be gone. So, uh, but if you look at the point totals, that Georgia class had 34-61 for the number one class. This number one class for Alabama with 26, uh, 26 commits is only at 29-58. So Georgia's class was far better last year as the number one class. I think Kirby is doing a great job. I think he's on the level of Dabo Swinney. But Nick Saban can kind of do whatever he really wants to do, I think, still. You mentioned Dabo, and I wanted to talk about him. Clemson is so unique, man. And I've noticed this. Obviously, we've all noticed this. But today, it just kids commit to Clemson. They never decommit ever. And then they sign their whole class in the early signing period. There is never drama with Clemson. I don't yeah. I don't know how they pull it off. What works for them, do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's basically this. I think Davo Swinney says we're not playing games and we're going to be playing for national championships. If you want to come here and do it, then, then you can come here and do it. And I think um, kids kind of buy into that. It's a lot of no-nonsense. And you'll see down the stretch that he'll – kind of lose the clay web battle or he'll he'll lose this battle or whatever but it doesn't really matter because all of his class is already wrapped up by the end of the summer basically 
Uh, he had a quiet signing day, got a four-star defensive tackle out of Florida, Tyler Davis, to kind of reload. And so it's just it, he's kind of put this no-nonsense mentality in that you know everybody wants to go play at Clemson. Uh, I still think that they are a little bit on you know they dip in into Georgia obviously for Trevor Lawrence and some other things, but Alabama and Georgia are, are going at each other's throats, and Clemson's just sitting back and and loading up too pretty nicely. Yeah, it's weird that it works there, though. Even at like places like Bama and Georgia, they get better classes, but they still have attrition and they still have decommitments and they still have all this drama. Yeah, and they still and have all the Florida kids. You know you're doing something right, Gorney, when you can come into South Florida and get a kid to stay committed. That's like impossible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like Frank Ladson would be the perfect person to be like, well, I'm going to take a late visit to Miami or something <laughs> exactly, like that. Yeah. There's just nothing. He, he's going to Clemson and that's it. So. You know, a lot of credit to Dabo and how he handles his business. I mean, that's pretty impressive. You know, Nick Saban's not exactly sweating it out and Kirby's not sweating it out, but they have a lot of moving parts on a day like this. And they're worried about a lot of guys and they're on the phones and all that kind of stuff. I'm not so sure Dabo is to that extent. No, it just, I mean, they get their guys early and they hold on to them and it's just impressive in this day and age. Um, yeah. All right. We get all kinds of other things to get into. Uh, let's go to West Coast though for a second though. I wanted to talk about USC and kind of what's happening there. Have they kind of hamstringed themselves by pretty much publicly? Everybody kind of knows that this is could be the swan song for Clay Helton. Is that the reason why the class isn't where it is? Yeah, I think so. It's it's really kind of an interesting thing because Brew McCoy and his and his family have basically come out and said we want Clay Helton to be the coach, um, but you can't operate your program over what you know the wishes of a recruit who hasn't even signed yet. So, uh, let alone anyone else. Um, the problem is, is that the 2019 class in California is down uh, across the board. I think it's one of the weaker years in, in in a few years. But then the high-end kids don't really want to go there. Kayvon Thibodeau was kind of hot and cold the whole time. Uh, you know, USC really wasn't recruiting him all that hard. And um, that could have, you know, been Thibodeau. That could have that could have been Thibodeau showing that he wasn't really all that interested. That could have been USC just kind of missing out on that one. But they had Chris Steele committed, uh, lost him. It looks like he'll go to Oregon or Florida. They never really went after Joe Nagata. He, you know, Clemson went, came all the way out here to get him. Zach Charbonnet really didn't go after him all that much. He's going into Michigan. So they're striking out on a lot of the on the higher-end kids that are really, really talented out here. They'll probably get Brew McCoy, although Texas still can't be counted out. And I do think that there is that factor of, hey, I don't want to – play one season and then have to deal with a coaching search. I'll go to Michigan and play for Harbaugh or in the case of a Ryan Holinsky who got a late USC offer, I'll go to South Carolina and play for Will Muschamp. He's not on the hot seat. So I think there is a lot of that. I think it will be settled after this year. The problem is, is if Clay Hilton goes nine and three, do you fire him? Does he go, if he goes 10 and two, can you fire him? If he goes eight and four, he probably is gone. Um, it's, I think the fans have already made up their minds, right? Like <laughs> that's, what's so weird about it. It's like the guy could do anything he wants and they're still going to want him out. Well, I mean, he won a PAC 12 championship and the year before that he won the Rose bowl and they still wanted him out. So, uh, this is, yeah, this is I've never not- understood the fire clay Helton thing, to be honest. He had pretty much one really bad year and coaches. And uh, I swear to God, I've experienced this so many times. Fan bases want coaches hired so they can complain and want them fired immediately before they even coach a game. So there is a, a strong contingent, I think, of USC people who are like, we want Pete Carroll. And if we don't get Pete Carroll, we don't want anybody and we'll complain until we get Pete Carroll. 
And then well, I mean, they, you look no further than what Florida State's doing to Willie Taggart. I mean, yeah. there were people down here that, you know, he lost the game and it was over. They're already talking about yeah. his buyout and it's like, come on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there there was talk about that. I mean, uh, there I, I'm shocked that the Mark Richt stuff hasn't picked up to an epic pace yet at Miami. But oh, I'm it's starting to. Yeah. It's yeah, starting. We, should, we should get into that. Have you ever seen a team – think about where Miami was on this day last year. Yeah. I know. This thing fell apart as quickly as anything I can ever imagine. Everybody's turned on them. They can't sign anybody. Yeah. They're missing on everyone. Have you ever seen anything like this? And right. How did this happen so quickly? You know, I mean, and what was really disappointing is this is probably a top five team preseason, which, you know, looking at that offense might have been a little bit, uh, a little bit, you know, wrong. They got, they just don't have a quarterback. LSU, they don't have a quarterback. They go to Virginia and lose. They go to BC and lose. They lose to Duke and score 12 points. I don't think anybody in Miami is going, you know what? I'm going to go there and this offense is going to pick up because of me. They don't have a quarterback. Um, you know, they're, I'm telling you, these teams in the pro cities, the same thing happens with USC. When they're winning the stadium, the Coliseum is packed. There were 50,000 people at the last game against Notre Dame. And so there's just so much more to do. And so these recruits go like Marcus Crowley will go to Ohio state and see what it's like there and go, I'm not going to Miami. I'm going there, you know? And yeah, so people actually care about me. Here. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to keep on to keep some of those kids. Sometimes, you know, a Frank Ladson, we'll see what Tyreek Stevenson does. Um, you know, John, Dunmore, John Dunmore is going to state college, Pennsylvania, you know, yeah, and, I know they just didn't recruit him until late. And I was talking to somebody, close to Dunmore today and he was like look we might have went to Miami if this was two months ago but you can't call two weeks before signing day and just expect yeah yeah so there's something unique about Miami Gorney and tell me what you think of this theory I think it plays into this that none of the old players ever leave they're all worshipped as gods here they all live here a lot of them are on the radio so when the coach messes up or the stuff is going bad all these old players that the fan base still sees as, you know, swaggy gods from the 80s and the best thing ever will just publicly blast the coach. Yeah. And that turns the fan base so quickly because they all love these old players. Yeah. It's it, different because there's no other college where, where the players just stay in town, you know? Right, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that definitely can play a factor. And I think you get the Dan Mullen Florida thing and the Willie Taggart Florida State thing. And Miami kids are much more open to going to Alabama now after – you know, Ridley and Amari Cooper and all those guys have had tremendous success. So Jerry Judy. Yeah, Jerry Judy. When, when Miami used to be good, they'd keep everybody there. Now that they're sort of average, people are leaving. And, and Mark Rick has to find a way to fix that problem because it's just going to snowball. Why don't you bring us into this text message between Cam Newton and Jaden Hazelwood? Because it's, I didn't see it until I got on the in, on the podcast with you. And it's one of the more 28 things, insane things I've heard in a while. So kind of explain this and let's talk about it. Okay. So there was a leaked text message today between Cam Newton and and it looks like an Instagram messaging thing. Uh, although I'm, I'm not even sure that is. <laughs> that's uh, that's even more 20. That's, that's just perfect that it's an yeah, Instagram. That makes it even better. That's just perfect. But uh, – Cam Newton was talking to Jaden Hazelwood and asked him where he was going. And uh, some of it is, is, is crossed out, so you can't really read. But it looks like Hazelwood says, yeah, has to leave this MF bro. So a lot of people have taken that to mean that he's got to get out of Georgia. So 
Uh, Miami is number one option, I would think, right? Um, but all along in his recruitment, he said he wants to get developed for the NFL and he wants to play in a big-time offense. I think this one is far from over. I, I still think it's going to be interesting at the Army or at the All-American Bowl, as it's now called, uh, if he's going to make his decision then or what's going to go on. I think Oklahoma is going to try to make a run at him, and I think he's going to f- try to see where Justin Fields goes. If Justin Fields goes to Ohio State, I think Jaden Hazelwood could follow him there. I don't think Miami is dead set locked, uh, no matter what you know the plan is for the Army game yet. What do you think? Here's the thing I heard, and I mentioned this to you before we went on the air. I have heard that he is planning to announce at the Army or the All American game, excuse me, the new name, and he's planning to do it with Adidas custom cleats. Yeah. So he'll have one set of Georgia cleats and one set of Miami cleats. Now, nobody's told me this, but the logic in me thinks if Adidas is going to do this. Wouldn't they want some assurance that he's going to pick the Adidas school? I oh well, yeah, sure, but I also think that th- that's the plan on December nineteenth or whatever today's sure. date is. And yeah, Jen- last night Trey Sanders was going to sign with Georgia, and we saw yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, as of as of last night, it probably was going to sign with Georgia. Yeah. So uh, the plan that's the plan now. But Jaden Hazelwood is uh, has already been committed and decommitted, and is looking around and. I just think this one is far from over and him saying he has to leave and Cam Newton saying, I can dig it. That's a business decision. Only you can decide. You already know I'm rocking with you. Something weather, but weather spelled like the actual weather, like cloudy weather. Instead of, of course. <laughs> you went there or something, The whatever. He was talking about that. And he said, for show, I announced at the All-American game January 5th. So I guess January 5th is still on for now. We'll see because I think the kid was going to go to Georgia if Justin Fields stayed. I I still think Oklahoma has a chance, and I really do believe that wherever Justin Fields lands, Jaden Hazelwood will take a look. Yeah, these things tend to change so quickly. There's, And we should point out that Cam Newton coaches a seven-on-seven team in Georgia, and that's the basis of the relationship with him and Hazelwood. Right, yeah. He's not just interested in, in the life of a high school kid for no reason. Hazelwood has a Rolling Stone magazine tattoo on his leg. Do we ever figure out why that exists? I, yeah, I have not asked. I saw him at the Adidas National Championships out here, and I didn't get to talk to him about it. But he has like the Rolling Stone logo, the, the, yeah, the, the headline word, logo. right down his leg. And so – He's kind of a you know a guy that's kind of a free thinker, and he's not going to do what other people tell him. That's been my impression. I've uh, noticed, yeah. Yeah, so we'll we'll see how that goes. But speaking of Justin Fields, I do want to bring up Dwan Mathis because this is a kid from Michigan. A lot of people, you know, he was going to Michigan State, then he was going to Ohio State. Was he going to Michigan or Michigan State? I, I, it, it's been he so. Was going to, he was going to Michigan, I believe. Yeah, and then Ohio State. And then today, you know, you have to think if you're Dwan Mathis, you hear rumors that Justin Fields is looking, seriously looking at Ohio State. So do I want to lock myself in? And this is one of the many reasons why I'm against an early signing period, although it seems to be working out pretty well. If Dwan Mathis could could wait until February to make this decision, Justin Fields would have had his decision already set. So, but now here's Dwan Mathis going, okay, I'm going to sign with Ohio State. Okay, I've dealt with Urban Meyer gone, and I'm going to play for Ryan Day. Now, Justin Fields is going to come to Ohio State. Do I want to lock in there, or should I just go and fill in and be the guy possibly after Jake Fromm leaves after next year? Uh, that's that's an incredible that's an incredibly interesting kind of way of thinking this morning 
Uh, Especially when it hasn't even really been officially announced. I mean, yeah. granted, he's probably going to transfer. But what if he changes his mind at the last minute and I, then you I, just transferred in behind him? I know. And then, and then, he, and then Dwan Mathis is now at least third on the depth chart. So, But that trade is interesting. If you're Ohio State, do you sort of nudge Dwan Mathis to Georgia so Justin Fields can come in and compete for the starting job immediately? I mean, it's really kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, no doubt about it. Speaking of quarterbacks, and I know we're kind of getting off subject here, Florida State's quarterback got stolen by Mac Brown, man. That's tough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about a fall from grace. Florida State is now the, the team where their quarterback's getting taken by old men on signing day? Yeah. And used to steal people's quarterbacks. I think that's really sort of the criticism that's going to ramp up about Taggart is, wait a second, this guy was supposed to come in here and be recruiter extraordinaire and go anywhere and get anybody and – this was a guy at Oregon at like the last minute flew to Hawaii to try to convince Tua Tungavailoa to go to Oregon. Uh, thank God Tua didn't because then now he'd be you know on his second coach already because Taggart bounced after one year. But uh, he was supposed to be the guy that could get anybody and keep anybody. And now he's at Florida State. And what does he do? He misses on this guy, misses on that guy, his quarterback. It's so weird that like it Most seems like I think he's an offensive coordinator. It seems like he's just stops at Tampa. Like Florida State wants to recruit the Tampa area and Lakeland, and they they don't seem to be down in Miami the way they used to be. Now, granted, they're doing spot recruiting, but they're like they used to be on every top guy down here. Yeah, and now it's rare that these South Florida guys really get pursued by Florida State, which I think is an interesting choice. Yeah, I know, and uh, you know they're not exactly going to IMG and killing it, you know. So, uh, so it's really kind of a, a puzzling situation. Um, you know, that, that Mac Brown can come in and, you know, you have to question if he's going to be there for how long, maybe five years or so. I mean, he's getting up there pretty good. So I had a Florida state fan of my mention saying he didn't really flip him because Sam Howell never really wanted to go to Florida state to begin. With. <laughs> sure, sure. That's why he'd been, this year has been the, the worst year about fans. Nobody has ever flipped. You know, it's always not a take. It, it's getting- <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but you know, we're criticizing Willie Taggart pretty good here, but he still has three guys in the top 10 and, uh, in, uh, Florida committed, which is pretty impressive. Um, that's probably where he ends up with three, three of 10 is not that great, but, uh, I mean, the class isn't total crap or anything. It's just not a, a Florida state class. Like you kind of got used to years ago. Right, right, right. Yo, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And Alabama getting into that state is really, you know, the story now. And Georgia too. I mean, they go to Nolan Smith and, and it, Nolan Smith was an Alabama, Georgia battle. It wasn't a Florida state, Florida, Miami kind of situation. Trey Sanders kind of looked at Florida and Florida state slightly. Yeah. Uh, like fake looked at them. Same with Evan Neal. He like fake looked at Miami and Florida state, you know? Yeah. If Evan Neal went to Miami, it was because his mom probably wanted him at Miami, not because he wanted to go there, you know? So uh, Frank Ladson goes to Clemson. So these guys are leaving the state and going, it's really the Southeast is really an interesting thing because it's Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, just going something to the wall for every single kid and going crazy for every top kid. And then kind of the feel is Miami, Florida state and Florida kind of picking up the pieces a little bit. Last year at this time, Miami was getting people and we thought, Oh man, you know, they've really got some momentum here and it just fell apart in such a hurry. Yeah. 
in a way that the morale down there is just not very good right now. And it's, I mean, I can understand why, I suppose. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look at their 2020 class. I mean, they had almost their entire 2020 class done and now they're down to seven commitments. And there's some good players in that, in that, in that, of that seven. Uh, but the, I think they lost three defensive backs last week alone. In the- I saw somebody post a meme that said Miami's top rivals and it had a Florida State logo, it had a Florida logo, and then it had the notes app. <laughs> 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 which I thought was pretty good. Yeah, all right, what else do you want to talk about? We got all kinds of stuff to cover. Go ahead and pick a topic because there's plenty to, to discuss. Let's talk. Let's talk Daxton Hill. How how rare is it that a kid commits to Michigan? He's from Oklahoma, so okay. So mm-hmm. let's, let's start there. Commits to Michigan, then flips to Alabama, which is understandable. I, I get it. Going to Alabama is not not a bad thing, but then flips back. I mean, is that Jim Harbaugh? just getting in his ear for an entire week or is that kid sitting home in Tulsa, Oklahoma going, you know what? I really just want to go to Michigan. <laughs> I don't, I just want to go there no matter what. You know, what would be great. And obviously this did not happen, but in my fantasy world where I like to fantasy book things, if Harbaugh or orchestrated this from, from the beginning, just commit to Alabama for a while. Yeah. Now, now he could say he flipped somebody from Alabama. Yeah. So he, that, that's, that's <laughs> the well, Josh covers Oklahoma. I don't know Daxton very well. What feeling did you get on this? Did you get any, I, I didn't really talk to anybody on what happened or how this happened or it seemed to take everybody off guard. Usually we know when something like this is kind of brewing. This took me off guard. Yeah, the Jordan Battle thing this morning had been kind of brewing a little bit that he was going to go to Alabama. Yeah. I mean, we knew enough that we had a story in the admin, you know? Yeah, yeah, that that, that, that was out there. But uh, no one really knew this uh, about Daxton Hill. And that's the thing. Like, that's why, honestly, this is the biggest soap opera ever. And it's so much fun is because you cover these guys and you're constantly talking to them and, and and on, and on their end, they're thinking something completely different. Like, let's flip to Kovar's crouch. This kid was a Clemson throw away the key. He could take visits wherever he wants to go. He was going to Clemson. Clemson's playing for the college football playoff. Two years ago, they won the national championship. They could put all four defensive linemen in the first round this year. They put everybody in the NFL draft. If you go to Clemson and you start and, and thrive, you're going to play in the NFL takes a late visit to Tennessee and now he could go to Tennessee. <laughs> so Tennessee who, who loses to Vanderbilt, who has a coach Did not make a ball game. kicks over the whiteboards. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's just, a, it's just a crazy thing. And now he's going to take a look at Michigan, I guess too. And so uh, this is what you deal with. I mean, you're Dabo. You think you have Kovar's crouch locked up. He's a, basically a local kid. I mean, what other school would he even consider that's as close from Charlotte to Clemson? I think it's only a few hour drive. Um, I got to watch out for Mac Brown now. <laughs> Mac Brown steal is going to go in and steal him, but it's just uh, it's just incredible. Who who do you think's got the brighter future right now, coaching? If I had to, who is going to be more successful at their school, Herm or Mac, out of the two old NFL or two old? See, here's the thing too, and it, and it's weird because Herm Edwards did maybe one of the smartest things ever as a head coach. And, and it was probably completely media-driven. Um, but the bar was set so low for him this year that if he didn't just fall flat on his face and they go 0-12, uh, you know, it, it, it would have been like the greatest season of all time. They went 7-6. and six. They lost to Fresno State in a bowl game. 
And they're like, see, we told you Herm could coach. <laughs> you know? Well, he had talent and he had coordinators. I actually took the over on their five and a half win total and, and it cashed. Yeah. He had he has talent. Like he inherited a pretty good team. Yeah, he might have the best wide receiver in college football. You worry about him long term though. Do you think that he will two years from now still be going to bowl games? I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, uh he's got a good defense. He's gonna have a new quarterback next year. Nikhil Harry is gone. Eno Benjamin will be gone at some point soon. And this is still a guy who is 54 and 74 as an NFL coach. This isn't, uh, you know, I mean, Mac Brown won a national championship at Texas. Uh, he, he was awesome at North Carolina. I mean, when he was at North Carolina, he was up and coming as one of the hottest coaches in the country. Um, you know, he's he has 13 bowl wins. He's won the Big 12 twice. He's won his division six times. I mean, this is a guy who, uh, who, who has been a success everywhere he's gone. Now, he's 67 years old, you know? Exactly. Uh, but I, it, it doesn't seem like he can't relate to kids. Herm Edwards and his staff do a great job relating to kids. He's 64 years old only, so um, that's still not that, that old. And, and Mac Brown, no offense, to Mac Brown, but he looks like a, like the grandfather coach. You know what I mean? Like he he's he's coming up on that. So, it, I mean, but he flipped a, a four star quarterback from Florida State today. So yeah, unless you uh, ask Florida State fans, in which case he was not a take. I, I think Herm will have marginal success if he wins eight games. Uh, that'll be a surprise. But he's in a division where he can probably churn out some wins and beat UCLA for a couple of years and beat Arizona and and get some wins. Mac Brown um, in the ACC, you wonder, you know, how long North Carolina is going to be down. I mean, Fedora had them playing well for a little while, but um, not exactly as, as contenders. I think they'll both probably. And the good thing is, though, that that Mac Brown has going for him is he's playing in a division that is just completely awful. And we saw that this year. Pitt won it. At seven and six, uh, <laughs> and Virginia and Miami were seven and five. Duke was seven and five. Virginia Tech, which was supposed to be the up and coming team in that division, six and six. I mean, that's that's miserable. So he can win some games in that division for sure. But uh, if he ever takes North Carolina to an ACC championship, put the money on the Clemson Tigers. What else do we have going on out there in the west of the Mississippi uh, in your neck? Maybe not even your neck of the woods, but you know, you're know, you in LA, you're out there out west. I got so consumed with the East Coast stuff this morning. Did I miss anything happening on the West Coast? You guys are boring out there. There's never any, there's never any drama. <laughs> okay. How about this? Brew McCoy does, a, does an interview on Fox Sports. He's talking about his final two of USC in Texas, and he's wearing a okay. USC pullover. Okay. So- is that is that just is that just a kid showing up to an interview with a pullover he grabbed from his closet? Is that uh, him telling? No, it's it's all that? definitely these kids are so calculated, but it's all trolling. Like they, <laughs> they intentionally mislead people, or which I understand. It, is it a smokescreen that Texas is now the leader? Um, is it uh, is it uh, telling USC people they have nothing to worry about? It's all it's all a big mystery, but. Um, it was an when is he announcing? choice. When is he announcing? Uh, he is announcing at the All-American Bowl on January 5th. So um, everything tells me he's going to go to USC. 
Um, but there's there's the thing. The family is very intelligent. The they're just just they just know what's going on. So they understand Clay Helton might not be around very long. Do they? They understand Tom Herman is going to be around very long. Do they want to get involved in that situation where a year from now, who knows who USC brings in as coach? You know, if that's the case. Realistically, what does he have to do to keep his job? He has to win the Pac-12, right? I would, th- I would think he has to win the Pac-12 and put them in a position to at least be in the conversation to get into the college football playoff. Oh, yeah, that should be easy enough. <laughs> oh, while we're, ta- while we're out west, what, what the heck is going on at UCLA? You want to talk about a no-show? Yeah. Is it just Chip Kelly's just not trying out there? What, what are we doing? Uh, you know, he came in last year, and it, it, he had one of the more interesting recruiting tactics. It was not talking to anybody. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I remember I wrote a story about it. He was doing this thing where like, he wanted it to mean something if he talked to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, it, it didn't work because out here, it's uh, and for people listening to this that don't understand this, seven-on-seven football is almost as big or as big and important as the high school football season. And as stupid as that sounds, there it's are... It's the same way in form. Yeah, there are seven-on-seven programs that uh you know are are dominant and talking trash on twitter is not about high school it's about 7 on 7 and um he doesn't really have great relationships with those coaches and you know that's going to come back to bite them their class is not great average at best their the the best player in their class is Sean Ryan who's a very very good offensive offensive tackle um but you know they did they get a group today that is going to compete for the Pac-12? Now he says he he wants to build it slowly and build it the right way. Well, you're making a lot of money. Uh, let's get moving here. You know, you're in LA. There's a lot of talented players uh, here that you can get, and uh, he's just not getting it done yet. I don't under. I really don't understand how he's recruiting. He doesn't really talk to a lot of kids. He he offers very few kids so when he misses on a kid or they decide to go somewhere else he's kind of trailing a little bit it, it it feels like a guy who is kind of resting on his Oregon laurels resting on that he played uh, that he coached in the NFL and is still in the mindset that you don't have to grind at 2 a.m to talk to a kid on Twitter or on DM or on text or however they talk to him that I yeah, that's what in I would- NFL and you should come want to play for me it sounds insane because chip yeah. Kelly is not old he was not gone for that long. But college football recruiting changes so fast that even if you're gone for a few years and you come back, it's a whole different ballgame. Like from the time that he left to the time that he's back, seven on seven is multiplied by thousands. Handlers and trainers have really taken hold. And these were things that he did not deal with when he was at Oregon. No, no, he didn't. It's amazing how fast it changed. Not to this level. Um, uh, but, but the thing is- well, he knew Willie Lyle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was Lake Seastrunk, but- uh, the thing is, um, you know, when you're recruiting LA, you got to have your face out there and you got to be around people and you just have to be that way. And, and Herm understands that at, at Arizona state, he hasn't coached in college football in, in 25 years or whatever it is, but he put Antonio Pierce on his staff from long beach poly. Uh, he put on a bunch of young, hungry, aggressive assistants that go all over the place and recruit well. They come in last year and get Merlin Robertson, the wizard. 
and Ashari Croswell from LA City Schools. And uh, they're two of the best freshman players in the in the Pac-12. So um, it's just uh, Chip Kelly came in with an idea of how this is going to work. Well, it could work five or six years down the road. And UCLA might have that patience. But for right now, it's really not clicking. No, it doesn't matter how old or young you are if you're not going to adapt. Herm has shown an ability to at least be able to try to understand how players are recruited in the modern world. Right. I think Chip Kelly had. And that's why I think John Gruden would have been a disaster. If he would have gotten hired at Tennessee or anywhere else, you wouldn't have I don't think that. it would have. Yeah. There's, there's just no way. All right. What else you got before we get out of here? Should we talk about something, stuff in Texas, since we really haven't touched on A&M? Neither one of us really live in Texas or cover the area too much. I know you cover at a national scale. Um, we should touch on Jimbo Fisher, I think, though, because he seems to be back recruiting at a high level yeah. after Florida State fans decided he was terrible for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you, have you ever heard of more revisionist history than that, by the way? Florida State fans have written this narrative where Jimbo was not a good recruiter. He just didn't care or try. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe for one year, he gave a little bit of a half-assed effort. But uh, the other years, he was pretty damn good at Florida State. And for for the vitriol that comes out of that fan base about him is just is just incredible. But that's a- another- like they were happy to lose him. Yeah. That's an that's another interesting part of the country that the the Georgia Alabama Clemson holy trinity of recruiting is one. The other one is Texas A and M, Texas Oklahoma, because Oklahoma went in there and got Trajan Bridges and Theo Weiss, and that was really impressive. And Jimbo did a great job of keeping Kenyon Green and Eric Young in, from Houston. And DeMarvin Leal, who's probably a little underranked. Uh, I love that kid, a 6'6", 270 defensive end. You don't see those very often. Brian Williams, he went up into Dallas to keep him in this class. Uh, he's done a very, very good job. Uh, he flipped Elijah Blades late, which was very strange because that kid looked like he was locked in. He ends up going there. Uh, Derek Hunter, he flipped from Florida State. Uh, he's done a very, very good job there. Has a, I think, the third best class in the country, um, and they love the Zach Calzada quarterback. Um, so that's really an interesting thing because they have the facilities and they have everything that you're going to want there. So uh, it's not going to be very easy for Tom Herman to kind of go around. Matt, when Mac Brown was at Texas, he would hold a junior day uh, in the spring and have 24 of the 25 kids in his class and. And get a, yeah, get a ton of commits. I remember and that, that was it. And that was the whole class, and it was over. The times have changed because Oklahoma's going in there and getting whoever they want, and Texas A&M is keeping kind of that southeast part of the state. They're battling LSU for some guys, and, and Texas is doing a, a fine job. I think they're seventh in the country right now. Uh, they, did, they did a decent job, but not getting Trey Sanders. Losing on Noah Kane, I think, really hurt them today. That's a kid from Denton, Texas. Yeah. That's a kid that goes to Texas, and for James Franklin to go down and and get him when he has a five star running back already committed, uh, that that was an important job. But that's going to be fun to watch those Texas battles in the coming years. Let me ask you this before we go: If you're an opposing coach and you're recruiting an offensive player that Oklahoma is also recruiting, how do you recruit against Oklahoma right now? I mean, I just it seems so attractive if you're a quarterback or a receiver or even a running back to go to OU because you see them scoring the points, you see them winning the titles and being in the playoff. I mean, I can understand why they're recruiting so well right now. 
if you're Justin Fields, <laughs> you yeah, I don't understand why you wouldn't go. Baker Mayfield left Texas Tech under curious circumstances, ends up at Oklahoma, and wins the Heisman Trophy, plants the flag at Ohio State, is the number one NFL draft pick, and is now a, like a, a budding star in the NFL. Kyler Murray signs a multi-million dollar baseball deal and is now considering playing football because he's was so good this season and he transferred from Texas A&M. So it's almost like you want to be a transfer quarterback to go into Oklahoma. They averaged almost 50 points a game. Lincoln Riley, the only thing that I can think, and this is probably why some of those stories started popping up and around is Lincoln Riley's a hot young coach. He has the hot, hot new offense that works. NFL teams are going to want him. That's the only way that you could possibly recruit against Oklahoma because Marquise Brown came from Juco. C.D. Lamb in high school was a very talented kid, but, but I mean, he's putting up huge numbers there. Uh, Grant Calcaterra was a tight end out here that really didn't do a ton in high school that really impressed me. He's their starting tight end. Mark Andrews, uh, from Arizona is in the NFL. They, you know, and, and they run the ball too. That's the crazy thing. They had two guys, I think, at about a thousand yards this year. Yeah, and they had their starting running back get hurt yeah. in the first game of the season. Yeah, yeah. Rodney Anderson gets hurt. Trey Sermon comes in. Kennedy Brooks comes in, and they don't miss a beat. So it, yeah, do you remember how mad Mark Andrews used to get at me for telling him he was a tight end in high school? <laughs> he would yell at me. And say, never, pro- I'm never talking to you again when I read he was a tight end. And now look at him. <laughs> That's the funny thing. Be who you are, man. Just look. The, every school is going to tell every corner they're a corner, and then move them to safety. It's just how it goes. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it, man. Well, we got anything else out there? Do you want to touch on before we go, or we want to put a bow on this? Let's thing? put a bow on it. I, I, I'm, I'm spent. Yeah, it's been a pretty long day. Well, thanks for tuning in. I know it's not – you're usually with Mike and I'm usually with Woody, so this is kind of an all-star team. I think it works pretty well. So. Yeah, I think we should make, maybe, uh, maybe make some changes yeah. here. Yeah, let's let's boot them off and we'll do the Robin Gorney podcast. Yeah. <laughs> they could talk about M&Ms and whatever else they were eating in New York today. Yeah, no kidding. All right, well, thanks for listening. And you know, I hope we get two more days of this, so there could be some other surprises in store.